This is episode number 35 of the Abuse Talk podcast with me, Jennifer Gilmore. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore. I turned my mess into a message. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and believe that together we are louder. Each fortnight, there is a new episode on the Abuse Talk podcast, a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector, getting an inside feel for what it's really like in their job role and sharing it with all of you. But today we are sharing something different. We're introducing survivor stories, those who have lived it, experienced it and are willing to share. In this episode, I speak with Helen. She's passionate about ending violence against women. We've connected over hashtag abuse talk and have tweeted for some time now. And it was clear that I had to invite her along to talk about her journey. But before we get started, I want to say a big thank you to our main sponsor, Rockpool. And they have shared a blog post um, in December, actually, about a community care inform. Sue Penner is his guide. So have a look at rockpool.life to find out more about that. But Sue Penner introduces her new guide to what the adverse childhood experiences ACES study means for social work practice with children and families today. She informs subscribers and they can see the video following the link on their website on that latest blog. I also want to say a big thank you to Susan Rahima and Katrina Hay for being so supportive on my Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Jen L Gilmore and there's a special hashtag abuse talk tier which also has the latest themes of our Twitter chat. We update it with news and behind the scenes what's happening and you can be involved over on there as well so thank you ladies. Let's get into that conversation because that's what you're here tuned in listening to me for. Right, hi everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Hashtag Abuse Talk podcast. And today I've got a lovely lady, Helen. I've managed to speak to her and we've had conversations over Twitter for quite some time now. And I invited her to join me today because um, she was featured on the White Ribbon website and we've had we've we've been in touch for a while so I thought let's get Helen on to have a chat with us so hi Helen welcome hi hello how are you how are you doing all right thank you that's good to hear um well I suppose I've already started with telling everybody that you, you've been on the White Ribbon website so do you want to um tell us a bit about that well um it was a a, a made a dress for the white ribbon which featured in shops i've done it for two years in a row now my one that i did this time obviously it was in lockdown so it was in uh, one of the shops i do it with uh, brockstow's women's project and i come up with the ideas myself um and i emailed it to the white ribbon um i did some angel wings in the middle of the dress that represented all the people that had obviously died through domestic abuse um, and I'm pretty quite proud of myself, to be honest, to have been on there with my photo and 
and to have been able to do that to you know to show people that there is a life after violence yeah and I mean I've seen the picture it's really stunning so if anybody wants to have a look it's it's sat there isn't it on the white ribbon website so I can pop the link um so everybody can have a look (laughs) yeah that'd be good yeah um so what I, what I really like about that is obviously you've been doing it for two years um you know and I guess it's a, a creative element isn't it so you've taken something you're you know creative with you've got maybe a good strong skill set at and um you've turned that into raising awareness with you know with the white, white ribbon in mind and I just think that's you know I think anything like that gets people's heads turning you know investigate why that's on display for example and to look at the the message behind it so are you generally creative then basically that took me literally 10 minutes to come up with the idea and that was the outcome um I got asked if there was any ideas to do for white ribbon my somebody went off to do a phone call she had a phone call come through by the time she rang me back within 10 minutes I'd come up with the idea and that is my end project of it um I love doing things like that because I just oh, I need to spread awareness about violence because the loopholes are terrible mm-hmm. um the the support sometimes can be really lack of it um it gets failed a lot um and I really do want people to really really push they don't need to be in these horrible relationships because there is a better life Yes, definitely. And I'm guessing from from doing that, you're drawing on experiences of your own. God, yeah. Most definitely, yeah. So do you yeah. want to tell us a bit about, you know, your journey? You don't, you can, you know, as little or as much as you like that, you know, just so we get an idea. Well, basically, my journey has been quite a long one. It was literally 20 years of, of uh, violence, um, emotional um, I was raped by a man in authority that was supposed to help me. Um, I first started with my partner when I was uh, 17 and I moved down Bournemouth. Um, and from then, my life just was a living hell right up until um, probably about the end of 2017. Um, so I was literally having my windows put through. I was being beat up. I was getting chucked out of the car. I was, I, I've had my arm broke. I've had my nose broke. Um, and well, yeah, I've had so many different houses. I've had so many, been in so many different refuges, but I felt, I've seemed to realise that if I'd have had some support from the beginning and not just dumped in houses, mm. then, you know, I would, I would probably you know, I would have been out of it a lot sooner. Mm. And um, what would you say was your turning point then in, you know, in that relationship that you realised, you know, did you realise it was abusive and managed to get out or perhaps it ended in a different way? Well, when I, when I, when I got with my, my, my children's father was obviously when I was young. So he was the, sort of everything. It was, it was the, obviously he did the money and everything, but, and I, you know, I fell pregnant and I had my older son two, um, 10 days after my 18th birthday. Um, but my, the relationship was really rocky and violent. Um, I wasn't allowed to do anything. He, he gambled my cop money and stuff. I was always getting hit. There was no furniture in the flat. I eventually, my son got sunburned 
um, when he was a baby, baby, baby. And I got, I got a good kick in for that. But I didn't know, obviously, about, you know, I was, I was young, naive, I suppose. Um, and I didn't really know a lot about being a mum, if you like. Mm. Um, so that happened. And I left and I went to, I got, I was in a refuge. Then from that refuge, I went to a Nottingham refuge. From that refuge, I went, he got in that refuge and jumped out the loft on me, um, which was frightening. And he went to shithole in here. So I got moved from that refuge to another one. Then I got moved to another one. From then I got offered a house, which was disgusting. Then I got put in a three-bedroomed house. I didn't have a clue what to do. Didn't know how to pay bills. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue what I was supposed to do in this bloody house. No one supported me. I, you know, I was just sort of dumped. Hmm. Bearing in mind, I'm probably about 19. 18, 19, and I'm in the middle of nowhere, not knowing no one, we're baby. Mm. Um, so he came back. And obviously I was getting my windows put through and he was getting, if you want, if you want there, he was getting in through my windows and hiding. I mean, it was a nightmare. He phoned social services on me and then he was hiding in cupboards. My life was shit. Sorry. That's okay. Um, from then I moved to another house. Um, that that house was it. Same happened there. My door got knocked on at night one time, and there went all these lads come in. Helen, get upstairs. I went upstairs. My whole flat house, well, my whole house, my entire house went over my part, so-called partner's head. And I mean, you name it, it went over the telly, the lot. Um, something was happening at a house behind me and forensics and police were there at that house. Um, and I met um, a police officer who was doing the, watching the house. Anyway, I was talking to him. Then one day I, I seen a girl who I was in the refuge with. Now this is just, just and she, she came round and had a, a drink with me and that. And she, they asked me if I would go and live with them as a girlfriend. I remember, telling them to get out my house the next minute I was cold out cold and somebody was picking me up off the floor with my face massive from where I'd been literally knocked out basically um from that house I moved to another house and I was my what again windows put through and somebody that came to help me thought that he could take advantage of me and make me when he wanted to um from then, I, I saved up all the money I possibly could on my crop benefits and moved. Bearing in mind, I've still got this dickhead watching me all the time, mm. telling me that he's, he's come to the door, I'm there. And, you know, mind games and all that. I mean, this went on for many years. Because then from that house, I moved to a different house. I don't police get him on that, on that house because he actually knocked me, headbutted me, knocked me out and hit my son. son. Then I moved to... Another one, he got sent down for about five years. And then I, I I met somebody and I married him within the space of like, well, I met him in the September, married him in the March and divorced him by the following April. Wow. This one actually broke my arm, clean, snap, kicked me in it, chucked uh, hot water on my arm. Um, um, 
he, he wouldn't let me go to hospital. Mm. Um, I eventually, don't know how, but I managed to get a job, which was to, which made me. I got. He went then. He went. Well, he got went to prison, and I moved again. This time, my, my kid's dad got out, and he mentally abused me. This time, mentally abused me like I was nothing. Look at the state, you know, so no one's going to want you. Social services are on your back, blah, blah, blah. Look at you, crap mom. you this, you that. Well, basically, it wore me down to basically nothing. Um, and I was, I was a mess, literally a mess. I took an overdose. And I remember piecing all of his story together. And it comes out that he was, he was that controlling and manipulative. He had a girlfriend about 20, who was pregnant. He had me and he had another lady who he was using for a bank. So he's living these three different lives. Mm. Yeah, I've got, for all this probably time, and I says to him, why did you have a kid with somebody when behind my back? And he went, because you got mar married while I was in prison. And it, it, my life was just, it was destroyed. My life was destroyed. And I remember falling on the floor and my older son picking me up and he's saying, mom, mom. And you know, from that minute, something snapped inside me and everything just pieced together in my head of what he'd been doing to me. Um, I went to see a psychiatrist because obviously I took an overdose and it was a bad one. Mm. And he says, um, Helen, he says, you're hiding something. And I said, I was raped by a police officer. And he encouraged me to, to, to make um, a, a, a complaint, um, which I did. The investigation was quite on, going, ongoing. He was, the officer was arrested uh, four times. Um, and the case is open. Mm. I, I, I still believe it's because obviously he was part of the force and he's obviously, you know, but it's just been on, on, on. I mean, even the control with my, my kid's dad, when I've not been with him, he'd FaceTime me to make sure I was where I, you know, see where I was. Oh, I'm bringing, I'm bringing your son back and but not bother, you, you know, to make sure I was it. It was just the control, 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 control all the time. And I can remember him saying to me, put this Apple Watch to your phone. I went, no. He says, put this Apple Watch to your phone. I went, get the fuck out. My, sorry, get the hell out of my house. And he says, um, and, it, and, it, and it, it sort of clicked then, because I realised that if I'd have done that, he'd have had everything on my phone. Mm. Um, but he controlled me down to literally everything. Everything. He'd cut my clothes up. Um, it was just a mess. My, my whole life was literally run by him in a mess. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, obviously, the amount of times you've even moved house and, you know, it almost oh. sounds like you got you got to a point where there, there were opportunities for support and help, but you were kind of just left to sort of figure it out. I had no figure support, it out. basically. I, didn't, mm. I, was, I was sort of dumped quite a lot. Um, I didn't have support. Nobody, every counsellor, this case, say doctors say go to counselling. Well, no, because they all said I was too complex. I, I, I was, social services were on my back for 20 years. 
um, basically because of violent relationships. My son was on the at-risk register because of that. Now, that to me is damn right disgusting. If I didn't have moved, he could have got took into care. Well, hang on a minute. My old my partner was right. You know, at the end of the day, you are, these services are on you, not me, because you're a shit mum. Well, that's what it betrays us. They don't ask you if you're all right. Yeah. There's so many different loopholes and they're on, they pressure you, they pressure you to do all this stuff. Well, hang on a minute. I'm, I've been basically d- diminished to nothing, but yet you're on my case as well. And they're not even supportive. Mm-hmm. When I had my other son, they came out, they came out to me within a week of me having him to make sure that he wasn't around, mm. which I find highly disgusting. There wasn't no reports of anything. He, well, my partner, my ex-partner, he denied that he was his anyway. Mm. Um, it was, you know, it took me to it took me to that place where you have to go to see just to get contact. He yeah. turned up in a pair of glasses and a flaming clipboard like he was some flipping, you know, fake, just fake, fake identity. You know what I mean? Well, um, obviously, it's. You know, when you listen to things like this, you you try and relate as much as you can to, you know, the things that you're saying. And I always think that um, everybody that I've spoken to, and I don't know how you feel about this, Helen, but I speak to people and it's like, wow, that's it's everything that you're saying I can relate to because I've experienced it, but it's a different story. And it just shows that the behaviour that you sort of... is it's all the same it's just washed in a different way Um, but for you to have gone through the fact that you've you've moved house all those times there was opportunities there for you to have support and I'm sure there would have been many times where there were you know those warning signs you know potential risk assessment opportunity for services to get involved I find that really frustrating and I'm sure that you do um, as well. I fought, I, I fought for so long to get the support um, and, and it was quite ironic really because I, I was, I was, I was, I just, all I wanted was somebody to tell me I was fine and I want, you know, stupid, but I was going through all this stuff on my own all the time mm. and not once I had a, a domestic violence officer come out to see me in one of my houses and he says, why has this not been picked up before? He says, I've looked at your case and I've never seen a, a case so thick as yours. Um, and I mean, even down to the fact that I've, I've self-harmed, um, you know, I've got, I've got scars and things and it's just like nobody helped me nobody asked me if I was all right mm. and then when I took this overdose and this I went to see this psychiatrist Some, somehow somebody actually picked up and acknowledged me yeah. and I, I do believe and I really do if it weren't for the support I've got now I wouldn't be here today and I really wouldn't because it is soul destroying mm. and, and I feel so let down by everybody Everybody that's crossed my path. Now you've got to understand these are different houses in different areas, and not one person acknowledged me. Mm. Not one, apart from the dirty copper that took advantage of me. And that is disgusting, and that's vile. And I still can't enter that that town today, and I yeah. can't think about it. It's vile, fucking absolutely vile. And all I wanted to do was face him in court, and yet I can't do that still. That's all I wanted to do. It's. <sighs> It's it's so difficult, isn't it? In the 
you know you, what you have gone through is complex but that doesn't mean that you can get the support or the help or the right guidance yeah um yeah and so so what support have you been able to get then um i i basically now i've i've got the support of um a, it's Brockstone's women's project and um sexual violence i've got a sexual violence counselor as well um is is for um and um, it's without them, I don't know what I'd do. I mean, I had framework this sorted out all my bills because bearing in mind, I spiralled out of control. I was in a dark place for a long time. I was having payday loans, people coming knocking on my door, handing me £300. I can't tell you what I did with that money. I was in debt, 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 debt. My credit rating is less than 100. Um, I, I, there's just debts that's followed me all over because, I, you know, um, they've managed to help me and sort me out. Um, but it's not where um, counselling's like, they say, oh, you've got so many sessions, or oh, we can't help you, you're too yeah. complex to do so many sessions. I find that flaming disgusting. Whereas Broxstow's Women's Project, they, they've, they're they not a length. Yeah. They, they've stood by me and even messaged me this morning before I've spoke to you. Um, encouraged me, they encouraged me that I can do stuff. Whereas before, I'm actually realising I've got a brain now as well, a bit of one. <laughs> and I find it quite funny well. that I can laugh real life now. I laugh and don't fake it. You know mm. how you just can fake things so easy. I was so used to putting on makeup and smiling, mm. faking it, hiding black eyes, hiding bruises, hiding it all. And I got so used to living that life. When I actually laughed for the first time, for real, oh my God, my belly hurt, my cheeks hurt. And it was amazing feeling. Absolutely <laughs> bloody amazing. And I would never forget that feeling because it was unreal that I'd actually laughed and I rang everybody up saying I laughed. <laughs> and it's it sounds something so simple, but the but something that was so far away originally, and you know, that it should have been a part of your life. You should have had that, you know, as humans, we should be able to laugh and have those feel cared for, had that security, you know, feel like you've got a purpose. So I can completely understand exactly why you would have felt like that as soon as you've got a laugh. To um, be honest, it's like, you know, when somebody is controlling your life, when I actually, I've started to realise, I mean, this is a process. I mean, I still have nightmares. I still kick out. I still cry. I, you know what I mean? I still, I've, I've only... I still edge for my knives to cut myself, but I don't. Mm. Um, but I still have all that. But I think it's when you've been controlled in so many different aspects for so long, it's like, wow, am I allowed to do that? I cannot do that. And it's like finding I've got this blooming bit of brain that, yes, I can do that if I want to. Or, you know, it's realising that you, I'm quite impressed with myself. I like myself, you know, I marry myself, if you know what I mean, because I'm not that bad. <laughs> But it's realizing that I'm a person and I am real. Yeah, you know, I'm not because it, when you live, I don't know. It's I, I wasn't. I don't know. I can't explain it. I just went with emotions. I suppose hid hid myself behind him because I had to mm. talk when he told me. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, so you've you've obviously you've gone through oh, what sounds like hor- horrific journey. Um, and you know, you mentioned soul destroying. Um, you know, and you know, listening to, to what you said and the facts that you're feeling those emotions that we should rightly have, having the right support now and help, 
obviously makes a huge difference it does um, and even and somebody just believing in you it makes such a difference that support somebody that actually real life cares you know and not just you're not just a statistic because I'll never be called a victim or a survivor I'm me I've got a name and I'm me <laughs> you know what I mean that is it I, that is how I like to be portrayed as a me not, mm. you know I'm not one of them I don't need a label yeah I've got definitely. my own label and, and so obviously you've 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 put all all of your experiences and and everything together and you're yet raising awareness um obviously it sounds like you're still on a journey you know to you know to recovery I mean for me I always say I don't think I'm ever going to be like 100% recovered but what I am is equipped to take on every single day you know so if I have a trigger then I know how I can look after myself and 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 get over it or look after myself and deal with what that trigger is and what I can do to help myself so it sounds like you're still on that that recovery journey and I'm still on a very big recovery journey because I mean it's even like when I go I don't like going out I will I try and avoid but I will always walk to the side so I'm not Mm. if anybody's behind me I stop and let them come straight I do not have it's I'm I'm very aware of my surroundings very I won't go out of the town where I live I've not caught a bus for god knows how long I catch the same taxes if I need to go to the shop and I am so aware nobody is behind me and I'm aware of everybody in front of me and that is it's quite sometimes I can have panic attacks which is then I, I stay in for quite a long time um, yeah. um even in the post office where they know me I have I've had one not long ago because I had a man behind me which panics me um but just silly things you know they're not silly things are they because they're the things that have affected you and you've got a, a, a good reason as to why you've been triggered or you've had that panic attack so they're all valid um but yet with all that in mind you still raise awareness you know just you know what we started off with the white ribbon um and yeah. how creative you've done and yet I'm, I'm, I don't want to make assumptions, but obviously there's a clear reason as to why you're raising awareness. Um, and I'm thinking of the people that you're helping, you know, through your experiences. Um, and it sounds like you've been on such a difficult journey that to be able to do what you're doing in those ways, that's a big deal. Well, I suppose, yeah. I, I just I just would not want anybody to feel failed like I did. Um, it destroys me to think that anybody could go through what I've been through, you know, and I, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. Um, I really wouldn't because it's, it's to be little to nothing. It, you can't even talk for yourself or, you know, just it's like, wow, I just it's a horrible place to be. And I wouldn't want anybody to be in that place, which is why I, I do press for awareness. I, and I will, and I will always do it because it's, you, there's not enough awareness about it. The authorities are crap. You know, they don't, the sections don't talk to each other. My ex-husband got housed up the road from me when he got out of prison. And I, they moved me to this place that was there enough that, and they housed them up the road, realised their mistake, but he had to stay there a week before they found him somewhere else. Now, that is disgusting in itself. And that is because probation and housing don't talk. Mm. You, you don't, you know what I mean? 
Well, yeah. What was the point in sending me to safety for then you're doing something like that? But these are all the different loopholes that are not covered. And it, it wakes me so upset and angry at where I've been let down. Mm. Let down for 20 years by the government. Take, let's take a deep breath in that moment because, I mean, there's so many stories and there's so many things I hear and there's so many things that I've experienced as well as to um, why different services don't speak to each other and I don't understand why they can't I don't think it would take that much effort to be honest to be able to work out something as simple as that well if um, you've got a case you've got a case you? yeah you've got a case in front of you, you see where the, the per- perpetrator is you see where the the you know the victim if you like to call it where they is you've got a piece of paper in front of you obviously a booklet on them two people so hang on a minute I'm surely they should come correspond between two flipping places yeah <laughs> Well, um, if you could then change anything in the services, what would it be? If I could change anything? Anything, <laughs> everything. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd start with all the authorities because they are so, so unknowledged. Um, they, 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 domestic abuse, domestic abuse. It, well, it, actually, it's a big thing because, it, it, you know, they don't cover it enough. It's, it's not just the, the smacking. I mean, I'd rather... I really would. I really would. And they don't... They just say, oh, they'll be all right. Well, hang on a minute. No, they're not. They're not. Um, and I just... Even down to the counselling, everything, I would just change. And if you want for the charities, charities, yeah. I mean, I like I say, I, I would be dead. And, and that is how I, I, I feel strongly because they, they believed in me. And what would you say to anybody that's listening who can to relate to your story, to aspects of your story, and maybe they're in that situation and feeling that, you know, they're like, maybe they should get out. What, what would you say to them? I'd say, God, I, I please, 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 please don't sit there wondering you can do it you can get out you are stronger than you think and believe me you will live a better life you will get better um just accept it if somebody wanting to help you just get out just don't stay there don't stay there just get out that's what I'd say thank you Helen well I want to say a huge thank you for giving you know giving your voice with your story and helping raising awareness you're clearly an advocate um and I hope you to see you know great things come from you in in the months and the years to come I'm sure we'll be keeping in touch because um obviously we see you on hashtag abuse talk which is amazing yeah so thank you for just being willing to, to share I know it's not it's not easy at times to be able to share parts of um, our stories but you've just gone and you know laid it out there and told it as it is and you know sometimes that's really important for us to hear and to learn from so thank you so much I'd also like to thank you because you've actually given me the opportunity to get it out there um, and get I know it's like but that's I I, that's how I have to get it out and like to thank you for that opportunity as well because it is like it is that is how you know and it's Thank you. That's all I want to say. Oh, well, thank you, Helen. Thank you once again, Helen, for sharing your journey and what you do now to raise awareness of domestic abuse. 
Everybody, we have started with 2021 and I would like to invite any of you to hop on the podcast um, if you've got a key message, a key topic that you would like to talk about, then please do get in touch with me. Um, you can head to abusetalk.co.uk or you can email me directly, contact at jennifergilmore.com. Um, we are still mixing it up with those that have lived experiences and those that work in the sector. I always find it interesting to get different viewpoints and have different conversations and raise awareness in doing those discussions. So please don't hesitate to get in touch with me. You have been listening to me, Jennifer Gilmore, author of Isolation Junction and Clipped Wings. Both are available on Amazon or you can head to jennifergilmore.com.